It is the oldest liturgical tradition in the Judeo-Christian faith. In many cultures, it is sealed with what is called a holy kiss. Any idea what it is? Pardon? I can't hear it. No. Say it. Uh, louder. Sharing the peace. Yes, that's the oldest tradition in the Judeo-Christian faith. Great, good for you. I was surprised by that. I always thought passing the peace was an experience, an experiment that some hippie minister dreamed up in the 60s. But I was wrong. In today's gospel reading, the disciples are hiding in the upper room. They are afraid of the same people who sentenced Jesus to death. They were afraid they were now looking for them. Suddenly, the risen Christ appears, and the first words out of his mouth are, Peace be with you. He then shows him his wounds, his hands, and his side, and he says it to them again, Peace be with you. And a week later, when Jesus comes back to the room and Thomas is there, he says it yet a third time, Peace be with you. So we were taught in divinity school when something is repeated more than twice in a Bible story, it is our cue to pay attention. Please note that the word doubt is mentioned only once in this passage. Jesus says it three times, peace be with you. It is a greeting that is beautiful and ancient and powerful. Unfortunately, as the church became more institutionalized, the services became more formal. And the result was there was less opportunities in the service where people could experience a spontaneous grace and peace. So as a result, many churches edited out the passing of the peace over the years. It wasn't to them decently and in order. It was a little risky. It was a little vulnerable, so they kind of swept it away. And then in the beginning of the 1990s, thanks to some younger ministers, many churches began to reclaim it. I was one of those ministers. My first pastor was a rural church in coastal Rhode Island. A few weeks into the job, I decided to introduce the passing of the peace to my sort of, lack of a better word, kind of a swamp Yankee congregation who had lived there for hundreds of years. They were used to doing things decently and in order. So after explaining to my congregation that this was a very old liturgical tradition, I said, at this time, I invite you all to pass the peace to each other. Stunned silence. Now, over time, some in the congregation grew to love it. Many others flat out refused to do it indefinitely, substituting it every Sunday with a cheery good morning. And I'll never forget one woman's reaction when I asked her how she felt about it after the service. She looked me in the eye and she said, I would rather run through the congregation naked. (laughs) Well, to this day, I thank her for her honesty. She taught me that biblical peace is truly a vulnerable experience, which means our culture's idea of peace and biblical peace is really pretty different. Truth be told, most people, when they think of a peaceful person, envision someone passive. Episcopal priest Barbara Brown Taylor put it like this, we are taught to believe that a peaceful person is quiet and untroubled, so to hold one peace means to be silent To make peace means to surrender, and to rest in peace means to die. Well, biblical peace is different. It is not passive, rather it is active. 
Instead of being untroubled and quiet, a person with the peace of Christ is troubled by injustice and speaks out. Instead of surrendering to the cultural division and despair, a person with the peace of Christ abounds in hope. Instead of resting in peace in this life or bringing about, dreaming about the life to come, a person with the peace of Christ lives in the now. They love this life. So it's active, it's not passive. Bishop Fulton Sheen, in his radio address during the height of the Second World War, put it beautifully. He said, peace is not a passive but an active virtue. Jesus never said, blessed are the peacemakers. Rather, he said, Jesus never said, blessed are the peaceful. Rather, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, the word for peace in the Hebrew is shalom. That's the word, that's the actual greeting that Jesus used that day. He looked at his frightened disciples hiding in the upper room and he said, Shalom, three times. We tend to think of shalom as the absence of something, the absence of fear or anxiety. In fact, it's just the opposite. Shalom is the presence of God's spirit during times of fear and anxiety. And that was the case with the disciples hiding in that room. It's God's presence in the midst of chaos, which is why the Apostle Paul called it that peace which passes all understanding. And finally, shalom is a gift from God that gives us wholeness in mind, body, and soul. Case in point, the song before the scripture reading, sung beautifully by Deborah. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Or the words that I love in our upcoming offertory anthem. How glorious is your name. I feel your presence in this place. Your spirit makes me whole. Peace be with you. When we say that to each other, as we do on Sunday morning, we become conduits of God's shalom. It is a one-word blessing that means I wish you wholeness in mind, body, and spirit. I wish you peace and deep healing. And most of all, I wish you the blessed assurance that you are not alone, not now, and not ever. That in this church, you are holy and holy. You are God's precious child. Now, every spring, when I was the minister of that little country church in Rhode Island, I took my confirmation class to an overnight retreat in New York City. I gave them a city plunge. We went to um, Riverside Church. Over the years, we stayed in motels, hotels, the YMCA. And one year, thanks to a new daring youth minister, we all got to sleep up in the steeple of Riverside Church. Well, that year, after running around Times Square for several hours with a group of hormones or us teenagers, we went back up to the steeple for the night. And there in that sacred place, we had pizza and watched movies about Riverside Church how they welcomed everyone, young and old, rich and poor, lost and found, gay and straight. And looking back, I think we were the only youth group that ever slept up in that steeple. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure we were. Why? Well, that evening, the sexton knocked on the door and informed me that some of our kids were lobbing paper airplanes out the window down onto Riverside Drive. So it was a great time there. We did, a, we did a soup kitchen, we did Times Square, we did a full city plunge. 
And then the following Sunday morning, we crawled out of our sleeping bags with about two hours of sleep, and we went to church. As many of you know, Riverside Church is a huge neo-Gothic structure. Much of the funding came from John D. Rockefeller, Jr. It is a cathedral with beautiful stained glass windows and a ceiling so high that it simply takes your breath away when you walk in there. Along with several hundred people, we rose for the processional hymn, where the choir and no less than four ministers and two lay people processed up with great formality. After the call to worship and a stunning introit by the choir, we all sat down and settled in. Next, the minister stood up and invited us to do something that caught us all completely off guard. She invited us to find four people we did not know, walk over to them and say, the peace of Christ be with you, and then give them the holy kiss. My first thought was, I'd rather run through the congregation naked. (laughs) All right, she said. If you can't bring yourself to plant a kiss on someone's cheek, then why just give them a little hug? There's nothing passive about passing the peace at Riverside Church. So I'll never forget it. I'll never forget seeing people of all ages, races, nationalities, getting up out of their pews and hugging each other and saying, Shalom and peace be with you. I watched for a while and I became so smitten by it that I got up and walked out in the aisle myself. And minutes later, two men had given me a hug and three women a kiss on the cheek. One of those women was an elderly, beautiful, dignified person. She reminded me greatly of the late Maya Angelou. She came up to me, she kissed me on the cheek, and she whispered in my ear, the peace of Christ be with you, child. The peace of Christ be with you, child. It was a moment of sheer grace. Suddenly I felt whole. And suddenly the whole world around me felt whole. Shalom, peace be with you, child. That was a greeting, a standard greeting. So I wonder what would happen if people, instead of saying hello to each other, would do as Jesus did and greet friend and foe alike by simply saying shalom. I wonder if something as simple as that would bring healing and hope to our deeply divided nation and world, or at the very least cause them to stop and think about it. Now more than ever, there is no greater calling for Christians than to pass shalom to each other and to the world. That is our calling. It is something we can say to our dearest friend, our dreaded enemy, and a complete stranger. We can say it to anyone because it comes not from us, but through us. Because it is not our peace, but God's peace. A peace that is vulnerable indeed. A peace that brings wholeness and healing. And a peace that truly does pass all understanding.